Hello and welcome to a live Q&A edition of the Metrospective. The Mets took three out of four from the Cardinals, but things are bleak. Andy McCullough from The Athletic is here to discuss them. Andy, what do you know about intercostal muscles? Uh, I know that if you suffer a mild uh, oblique strain, you are supposed to miss uh, six to eight weeks. And that's all I got. That's the case for Max Scherzer. Uh, Of course, the Mets still still playing without Jacob DeGrom. We didn't expect him back at this point. It does sound as if he's throwing. So some some positive news in that department. But still, DeGrom is is probably at least a month away. He's not making rehab starts. We don't know if he's He's not on a mound. Right, right. So so he's he's not coming back anytime soon. And now the Mets are left with. Uh, a, a once very deep starting rotation uh, with Tyler McGill also on the DL. It, it seems like maybe he's avoided the, the worst that you think when you hear about a bicep strain. Mm-hmm. But again, that's not, not no guarantees that, that he'll be back anytime soon. You have to see how, how they do with that. So, so they're left with, with Chris Bassett, who's been good, and Carlos Carrasco, who's been good, and Taiwan Walker, who hasn't pitched a ton but has been okay. Uh, it sounds like David Peterson will join the rotation, but mm-hmm. this is not this is not uh, this is not what they what they plan. No, it's not. But this is also like what happens, right? Like, I mean, this idea that they were going to get through the season with only using five starters. I mean, that you know, God bless them if they've been able to do it. But that's just not how teams operate now. And so, um, I don't know. I you know, I understand sort of the uh, the general sense of gloom and doom and i and i think mets fans it's hard earned it's, it's a group that suffered a lot um, especially but, just just for the record like especially at exactly this moment in this right season. this is this is the time when it turns right like yeah this however like i don't know this team's pretty good um they're not a one-dimensional group you know the offense is better uh, you know i think than in previous vintages and like there was never a planet where Scherzer was going to make 30 starts this year and Jacob DeGrom was going to make 30 to starts like it was just never a thing where the two of them were going to combine to be on the field all that often given their you know recent history so you know they have theoretically planned for this that's why they brought in Trevor Williams that's why you stockpile depth like David Peters um you know they'll they will look to the trade market although there's just not going to be a ton of great options this early in the year but look they've built up a seven game lead already right like they should you can use that a little bit as cushion and they'll see what depth they have this is the season tests depth every year the team that wins the world series you know says something about their depth like this is the the chance for the mets to prove it i guess i i think that's right i think that you know the, the, i mean the depth in the starting rotation looked like a strength coming into the season is all i'll right. say just be, um yeah. because i think for as old as scherzer is since he has been largely healthy you kind of you, you, you at least hope he can avoid a, an injury like this one where it's going to be a couple of months. Um, mm-hmm. to, to Grom, I, I, I personally wasn't, wasn't bullish on seeing him before the all-star break. I'm still not honestly, but um, it was the guys, you know, the, the Tyler McGill's and, and David Peterson's right. of the world that were like the, Oh, well, like that's, that's the guys you fall back on. And it's, and I guess it was that, you know, once you get one rung behind them, sure. now you're signing Trevor Cahill to a minor league deal, and then that, and that is like a, a more worrisome thing. Kevin F is waiting to join us on stage. I will let him on. Kevin, 
what's going on? Hey guys, um, yeah, definitely bad news, you know, with uh, with surgery going down, especially with the ground already on the shelf and McGill. But um, as Andy said, I really believe that the seven grade lead is huge for them. If this was a team that was within first place, was only two, you know, one and a, one game to two games in first, then there would be a lot more panic, I think, going on. And and let's be honest, these other teams in the division, either they're just not playing up to par right now, or they're just not the teams they were in the past. And I think that's a huge benefit for the Mets right now with what they're looking at, um, you know, going forward. And hopefully by the time these two uh, total complete stud pitchers come back, and it, it is going to be a shot in the arm for the team, especially if they have a four to five game lead still by then. Yeah, you know, Kevin, I think that's a great point, uh, and, and thanks for making it. Uh, I think you know the 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 thing about the about the Mets lead, the seven games, is that the, the Phillies and the and the Braves haven't been terribly good. The Phillies now, I'm I'm just I was I'm quickly trying to look at like what their starting rotation looked like, uh, you know, just to compare. The Phillies are a bit deeper than the Mets at this point. All, all five guys in their rotation have pitched fairly well this year. Uh, the right, but there's still there's still like several games under 500. Right, right. they're not right, two games, like yeah. it, like look if the Braves were playing at the rate that I think they probably will finish like if the Braves were playing like the 93 to 95 win team that they probably are like yeah maybe it would be a little bit more concerning but the Braves aren't right you know the Phillies aren't right I mean I don't think anyone really buys the Marlins long term so. Like, yeah, I mean, like, when you look, when you start the season and you look at the Mets' depth, you're like, okay, the starting rotation depth is a strength. Well, this is them utilizing that strength. This, I mean, Trevor Williams and David Peterson are obviously not the pitchers that Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer are. They're not the pitchers that Max Scherzer and Tyler McGill are. But, like, they're relatively competent, you know? Like, Williams is perfectly fine as a fifth starter. Peterson is you know, a former first round pick who has decent stuff and has had decent results this year. And like, you can live with those guys. They, they, it's not a situation like where you're, where the Padres were in last year, you know, where they're like signing Jake Arrieta off the scrap heap. Right. Like it looks bad. It's bad. It's not what you want, but it's not like remotely a crisis. I would say. Uh, I hope not. Noah G is waiting to ask you ask. Noah, what is up? Noah, what is up? Hey guys. Uh, so when I look at the state of this rotation right now, the five guys the Mets are going to be throwing out there, like none of them are hard throwers, really, from what I can tell. You know, they're guys who can throw 93, 94 mile an hour fastballs, but they also throw a lot of good old fashioned junk at the hitters. And, you know, the three guys who are out of the rotation right now, we're all throwing 95 and up. Is that a coincidence? I mean, or are those, are these all hard-throwing, velocity-related injuries. And does that tell us something about, like, you know, maybe maybe teams like the Mets are, would be better off focusing more on pitchers like Bassett and Carrasco, who are not necessarily hard-throwers but can stay on the mound a little bit more? What do you think, Andy? What do you think, Andy? Um, I mean, um, I think uh, that there is – I don't know. It's, it's kind of junk science, but I do think there is something – related to DeGrom's inability to stay healthy to his velo jump. But that does mm-hmm. feel like a, that feels like junk science to me. I can't really sort of prove it. It just, there's an obvious correlation between he started sitting 99 and stopped being healthy. I mean, Scherzer's thing, like he's 37 and he does throw hard, but Scherzer's not, 
you know, necessarily a guy who like sits 97. He's capable of getting up there. He, he throws just as hard as Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett. You know, he sits like 93, 94. Um, I, you know, McGill, it's, yeah, I mean, I think just, the, I, I understand sort of the general idea, like, just is throwing hard lead to more injuries. I think pitching leads to injuries more than anything else. It's a, an incredibly violent act to commit to your shoulder, and it's not a thing anyone should try and do. Uh, it's very bad for your body. Um, so, but the one with with DeGrom, I, I do... You know, I think there's something there, but I just, how do you prove it, right? Like, it's chicken or egg. Yeah, and I think it's a it's sort of coincidental in this case. With McGill is interesting because he came out throwing so much harder this year, and he like he, early in the season he said like he he wanted to throw 100 this year uh, after throwing 99 for the first time. And and Buck Showalter I think said to pump the brakes a little bit. And <laughs> and so like you know you do think like a, a guy like that who's who's sort of in his first turn around the big leagues and trying to make a name for himself and sees. Uh, unexpected results on the radar gun and maybe gets a little bit uh, amped up and, and tries to do a little more than he should or can with guys, you know, it's with a guy like, so you say like Chris Bassett and he's throwing low nineties, which is still, as you point out, like it's beyond normal human capacity. It's beyond what we're supposed to do. We don't know. I think, you know, and, and I think this is a question, and this is something that, um, was in a paper years ago that that uh, James Andrews and, and Glenn Fleisig published, mm-hmm. um, the, which the is that, guys, yeah, yeah, which was that like they they believed that max effort throwing is is detrimental to the arm, which makes a lot of sense. And so mm-hmm. I think what you don't know, and 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 what's interesting about a guy like Scherzer, who like you said, like can dial it up to ninety seven, ninety eight, but but typically doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we don't know like. What is is this is this max effort for Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco? Because some, some people just no matter what they do aren't going to throw 98. And so right. uh, you know I think it's impossible to really know without you know uh, dozens of potentially invasive wearables and and regular MRIs <laughs> right. and stuff. Right, like you're you're never going to be able to say like this guy is putting too much strain on his arm. This guy is putting not enough strain on his arm. Uh, those type of questions like this is. If it was so easy as to say, oh, we just shouldn't sign guys who throw above 95 because they're going to get hurt, then no team would want those guys. Then it would be like this weird adjustment where guys would stop throwing 95. <clears throat> it's just it, – it feels like it's not going to happen, and it feels like it's it's such a mystery, the, the pitcher health thing. And, and maybe, yeah. as you allude, like maybe an, an impossible one. Like maybe it's just that like this is just what happens when, when guys right. throw this hard. Um, and, and will always happen. Like maybe there's yep. no preventing it. And, and so uh, it's, a, it's a depressing thought, but I think if there were an easy answer, they'd have, they'd have come to it by now. Baseball teams are run exactly. by smart, smart guys. Uh, exactly. If you would like to join us on the stage, please do. Uh, we have plenty of people in the audience. No one, no one currently stepping up. So Andy, uh, I think we have some questions that I can dig up from the old Twitter. Um, yeah, uh, well, this one isn't about baseball, so we'll skip that. I, I don't know if you, where you stand on fighting an orangutan with a sword. Uh, I haven't thought it, about it. Uh, it was, a, one of these hypotheticals, uh, and, it, but it was uh, poorly worded in my opinion, because it wasn't clear if you have the sword or the orangutan has a sword. Uh, <laughs> Ed quickly wants to know, um, knowing what we know, injuries, schedules, 
uh, standings record, where will the Mets be at the All-Star break? Will they still be in first place? Will they still be over 500? Who knows? I mean, if they play well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I think that the offense is deep enough to sustain this pitching staff. We will see what happens if things go really sideways with the bullpen, per se. Um, and we will see what happens if the, you know, the rotation has like one, you know, one or two really bad turns. But I, I feel like there's enough depth and ability in the offense to protect the lead, especially if the Braves continue to sort of bumble along. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but who knows? I mean, it's a long season, as many people have noted in the past. Yeah, I'm I'm not willing to say like oh they'll they'll keep the lead all year they'll never they'll never hit a hit a rough stretch the Braves won't play a lot better but I think uh, in the month and a half between now and the All Star break it seems like yeah like you said like unless there's the spate of injuries continues and gets worse which does happen with the Mets sometimes I, yeah. um, unless that that comes I think that. You can tell you the the seven game, eight game lead or whatever it is they've got now is probably enough to hold for a while, uh, and that's that's the good thing about playing well early, right? Is you buy yourself right. that that cushion. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream Direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Terms or restrictions apply. Jeremy O has a question for us. Jeremy, what is up? Hey, how's it going? Got it. Going well, yeah. Awesome. I actually have a, a two-parter. So um, I guess the first is, is there a sandwich on the Upper East Side better than Milano? And then number two is, I know it's unlikely that at any point there's going to be six healthy pitchers, but is there any thought if that were to happen about piggybacking? Um, well, to the sandwich uh, question, to the que- sandwich question, I would say, like, you know, it depends on it depends on your mood. It's hard to beat a Milano market Italian hero. Um, I go I go off menu there because they're so skillful. Um, if you're in the mood for an Italian hero, like that's the spot. Uh, Schaller and Weber, which is a, uh, if people don't know it, it's like a, an old New York butcher shop on Second Avenue and 86. They make, they now, they didn't make sandwiches for, for a very long time, which is something I found very frustrating. Now they make uh, excellent sandwiches with all sorts of cold cuts you've never heard of. And then uh, I have a spot uh, on First Avenue, Au Jus, uh, which also <coughs> Really, really good roast beef type sandwich um, is one of my favorites. So there, there are some, I would say, equally good sandwiches. As for the <laughs> piggybacking rotation thing, uh, what do you think, Andy? Is that, that's, that's, that's a little bit uh, – it's uncharted territory a little bit. Yeah, and I also don't totally know, like, what the benefit would be, like, who you'd even be doing that for. I mean, I guess theoretically you could, like, bunch up, like, Peterson and McGill or, you know, Williams and Peterson. But uh, as of right now, it's not something that seems to be super actively being considered. I think they're going to give, you know, Williams and Peterson sort of just a chance to uh, see if they can, you know, go, like, five or six innings at a time. Well, what do you think about – and it feels like the league has – gone away from the opener a little bit but yeah. when you like when you think about like a guy like Jason Shreve who's a lefty who can give you a few innings like what do you think about 
you know, piggybacking if it's someone like like uh, I'm trying to think like Trevor Williams, for example, right? Like a, a right-hander right. um, who might benefit from whether it's the lineup construction or just the different look that comes after following a guy like Shreve. Like, do you think they they go that way? And and do you have any sense of why? Am I right? Like, has has the league kind of moved away from that? Yeah, I mean, I think because it just it's more complicated to try and run games like that. You know, like it's just harder. Like if you run a bullpen game, you have to press like eight buttons. If right. you have a starter who can go six innings, you have to press like three buttons. And every time you press a button, there's a risk that the guy who comes out of the bullpen doesn't have it that day. And so it becomes more problematic. Um, you know, I think if you're talking about like a playoff scenario or a you know real like real tight division race scenario it might make sense to start thinking about you know opening with a guy like Shreve and backing him up with Williams you know if you're if you've got 12 games to play and you're trying to maximize you know all your all those games but during the course of just like the long season where honestly like they need Chase and Shreve in the bullpen because he's one of their few relatively reliable, you know, arms at this point. So if you're, you know, if you're torching him early, you know, is he going to be available tomorrow? Will you need him tomorrow? You know, all, all that sort of stuff. So like, I think that those sort of matchup type decisions, they make more sense in October. They make more sense, you know, just late in the season when the calendar is not as problematic as it is right now. The issue for the Mets is they have all these innings that need to be taken down. And how are you going to do that? Probably the easiest way is to throw, you know, just guys who can get bulk at this point, rather than try and like maximize, you know, on an inning by inning basis. Yeah. And I think if they, you know, we're, we're still early enough in the season that we don't have to consider the possibility of a, of a chase and Shreve Trevor Williams piggyback playoff start. Mm. Um, Yeah. Right. You know, it's, uh, there's there's hope that there will be you know one of Degrom and Scherzer will be healthy by then and and uh, you know and the three other good starters will be ready to go and they won't they won't need to go that route. Yanni M, uh, a regular caller, is here with us again. What's up, Yanni? Hey there, Ted. Hey, Andy. It's uh, uh, great to be back. Um, I had a kind of random question today. Um, I saw that the Mets tweeted uh, congrats to Escobar for reaching 10 years in the big leagues. I know with the story of uh, buying the the Travis Jankowski jerseys in the clubhouse for camaraderie, it, it actually came out that it actually wasn't Escobar's idea, but that he presented the box because he was the, the longest tenured position player on the, Met, on the Mets. I looked into it and, um, you know, I, I guess I'm just looking for some maybe baseball clubhouse expertise here that either of you might bring. Um, in this tweet that they posted, it said like May 20th, 2022, 10 years in Major League Baseball. Um, Escobar played in 2011. And so I was, I was wondering where that 10-year math did not add up. I figured maybe because he only played nine games in 2011, he's still a rookie in 2012. Maybe that's what they were doing. But I checked the game logs and he played in April in in 2012. So I don't know why they would have, you know, made a a champagne bottle that said May 20th, 2022, 10 years. Um, He never missed the season. He's played at least a game in every season since then. So kind of random question, but just just trying to get to the bottom of that, if you know. 
That is a fascinating question. Um, I, well, they're, I, they're calculating service time. They're not calculating okay. time in the majors. It's service time. And so at, at various times during his career, he has been sent down. And when he gets option to the minors, he does not accrue big league service time. So the, it's not saying, hey, you, this is your 10th season in the big leagues. It's saying you have accrued 10 years worth of service time. But um, why then Why then put that, that – oh, is it, wait, wait, was it – was it the date? Was it the date, May? Was May twentieth, ten years. Yeah, that's saying May twentieth, twenty twenty two, ten years. That's saying this is when you accrued ten years right. of service. Okay. Time. Yeah, and that yeah. makes sense. I, I thought I misheard. I thought he was saying that they had credited it to like May twenty second, twenty twelve was your first big league game, but no, it no, no, wasn't. In no. fact, I think after his game on May twenty second of twenty twelve, correct, he was sent down to the minors. So I'm um, because I'm looking at the game log, uh, game log right now. So yeah, but if you, uh, yeah, if you look at his career in his first three seasons from twenty eleven to twenty thirteen, he only played in one hundred and twenty five games. He was optioned at a, right. at a variety of times to the minors, and so it's just yeah. But uh, the ten year turf time is a is a huge uh, milestone. It's something that I think they're celebrating publicly more now because I think the union is trying to um, sort of foster solidarity through that. But it's always been a big deal when a guy, you know, gets to 10 years. It's it's also a huge deal when a guy uh, gets 10, five rights, which means that they've uh, accrued that, that they, uh, they uh, attain a full no trade clause when they get to that mm-hmm. point. Um, when that 10, five rights is when you have played 10 years of service time and five with the same team. Um, so like I remember, uh, the Dodgers were always sort of considering trading Andre Ethier, um, you know, at, at near the end of his tenure, and uh, he got his ten five rights, and it was a very nice day for him as he <laughs> wanted the to champagne remain. And the, yeah, he wanted to remain a Dodger, and uh, <laughs> and so in the day he got his ten five rights, he was very happy. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, I think that you know, and and. Maybe it has lessened over time. I haven't been in a, in a clubhouse in a few years at this point, but I think that probably fans underestimate the extent to which just like service time, like yes. having done it, earns yes. you respect. Like, and, and I think there's something that came up a lot with Robinson Cano this year. It's like, because yes. I think to a fan, you can say like, why would anyone like this guy? He's right. been twice suspended for steroids. Right. He's not hitting, right. but like that guy has done it, and he's done it for a really long time, and that carries a lot of weight in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that, uh, you know, baseball players, they really do understand just how difficult the game is, which I know you hear all the time, but like they, it's a, it's a very challenging game. It's an unforgiving game. It chews up people and spits them out. And so there is a huge amount of respect for guys who have been around, you know, a long time for Albert Pujols, for Robinson Cano, for, you know, guys who you watch on TV and you're like, this guy stinks. They need to get rid of him. Like, he can't hit anymore. But if you ask guys in the clubhouse, they're like, dude, that guy's a legend. Like, that guy's been doing it for a long time. He knows what he's doing. You know, it's just a – it's, you know, they they have a different sort of uh, uh, respect for, you know, what goes into it because they understand it better because they're living it every day. Yeah, like, uh, Pools is a great example because if you were around the Angels clubhouse at all over the past, like, 10 years, Mike Trout 
worships Albert Pujols. Yes. And and Mike Trout, there's never been a day in Mike Trout's career when he wasn't a when he wasn't a better major league <laughs> player than Albert Pujols. But right. um, but because, maybe 2011, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah 2011. That's, the, that's that's non-canonical, Mike Trout. Yes. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> but but yeah, but like, it's it, you know you you if you could you could imagine a guy like Mike Trout coming up and being like, hey, look, everybody's saying I'm the best player of all time. Like who the, who the heck is this guy? He only plays first base now, you know. But yeah. um, but Trout's a decent dude, and and also like Pools is just he's Albert Pools. Like that's that yeah. guy's a legend, and I think especially like when you're you know these are the guys you you grew up watching. Like there is some of that like that uh, I remember with Matt Kemp. Like um you know Matt Kemp just hung around for so many years after he was a superstar player, um, yes. and during his time with the Braves like I remember seeing him come into the clubhouse in, in spring training and just like watching the way the young players yes. responded to that it was like God just walked into the room it was like well yeah well like Matt Kemp was a I think he might have been signed a minor league deal this year you know but but it's but right. it can't be won the MVP or should have like won the that, MVP he was like that with the 2018 Dodgers as well yeah there was just you know there was a there's a reverence for guys who've been around a long time and and have done it you know even when their skills have faded yeah in our chat room, uh, Nick P wants to know: with the new playoff format, does it change the scoreboard watch? Yes, it's early, but I want to know who to root for in Phillies Padres games. I think you just have to root against all of the good teams, right? Or just root for the Mets. I mean, it's just really just about banking victories at this point. Right. Like, yeah. it's just it's too soon. Just just root for the Mets. That's enough. That should isn't that enough, Ajita? in your life just rooting it, for the Mets? no no because it it like it is it necessitates further like it's it's not a it's not a discreet thing right like it's like because you root for the mets you have to continue consider <laughs> all of the other things you might worry about like the score sure the padres phillies game i would say i think like right now because it seems like the mets clearest route to the postseason is winning the division i would just root against all the other teams in the division until right. Until it becomes a wild card thing. Root Kevin, for the Nationals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I find that difficult, but that's only because I've spent too much time with Nationals fans. Kevin F is waiting to ask the question. What's up, Kevin? Welcome back. Hey guys, sorry to jump on again, but um, just the discussion. And um, do you guys see that the whole Dom Smith and his comments about wanting to play every day? If if this team starts to slide a little bit, does that become more of a problem? For this team, um, his want to be playing every day, or the fact that the Mets might use him as a trade chip. I just wanted to get your opinion on that. It's hard to imagine, and Andy is uh, as joked about this before on the show. Like, it's hard to imagine how much trade. Like, I think Mets fans hold Dom Smith in such high esteem because of uh, the year he had a few years ago in the in the in the in the COVID year, and because he's such a likable guy. But it's he's a 27 year old first base only player who has like one good offensive season under his belt. Like I, it's hard to imagine. And Andy, correct me if I'm wrong. It's hard to imagine he has a ton of trade value at this point. No, I mean like yes, I I understand his comments make sense. He wants to play every day, you know all that sort of stuff. That probably the easiest way to play every day is when you do play to get hits, which is not a thing he has been doing. Um, so yeah, I mean I think. Uh, I don't foresee it being much of an issue. Um, I do think the team will continue to give him opportunities. However, like he's a part-time player, um, you know, in part because like he's got a, like a sub 600 OPS. 
Um, I think if his OPS was, you know, above like 700, you'd maybe see him playing more often, you know, maybe even, you know, playing against lefties, you know, not just in a platoon sort of situation. But um, yeah, I mean, he's uh, as, as Ted laid out, you know, he's had, he had one really good uh, sort of, you know, half season, whatever you want to call it, 2020, he was, you know, not too bad in uh, 2019, but there is kind of bat first. Uh, he's a bat first player who's not hitting. So um, even if he was seeking a trade, I, I'm not exactly sure what they could get elsewhere except for, you know, some sort of wild card relief type option. Yeah, like I, I certainly wouldn't close the door on his career at this point, but just like and 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 I don't care at all. Like I I, I don't mind him saying he wants to play every day. Yeah, yeah whatever. A twenty-seven-year-old guy, like he, you want him to want to play every day, <laughs> right, uh, right? It would be bad if he was like if he said like, oh no no no, I'm cool. Like give me one yeah. give me one game every six, and I'm good with that. You know, like that's not. That's not the mentality that gets you to the big leagues, and so I did like I did like Travis Jankowski kind of be like, yeah, you yeah. know, like uh, I don't know, this is sort of who I am, but you need me, and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, right. hey, that's a self-aware man. Okay, he's right. Yeah, I, I, Rustin and I talked about that quite a bit. Like, it's, it's, it is, it's such a rare thing for a guy to be like to guy at that age, especially to just have like such a. a uh, an understanding of the things he can and can't do and right. like the, the amount of pride you must have to swallow to make that admission is yeah uh, it's yeah. terrifying to someone right. like me um but but, but he's also was, he's also like five years older than dom yeah. smith you know he's a different sort of player like you know you want and, in general you want your guys on the bench wanting to play more right always uh, and and smith too like to be fair you know and again like i'm rooting for this guy but he got 500 plate appearances last year. Like that's, yeah. that's not quite everyday play, but it's something very close to it. He played 145 games and he had a 667 OPS as mm-hmm. a, as a corner player. Like that's, that doesn't cut it. And, and so, yeah, it's good for him to want to play every day. He's, he's better than he has been, I'm sure. But yeah. you, you can't, you, you can't just like, you can't, uh, he can't, I'm sure he doesn't expect more playing time until he hits he's not stupid um and so like it, it is what it is kind of like right like it's, it's yeah you just um, gotta hit yeah you gotta hit and if you don't and like at some point in the season if he if he continues not hitting and he is still getting regular dh at bats like at some point they are gonna move on there's there's only so long you can carry an albatross right. in a position that is only for hitting you know it's, just, mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to replace a guy who is a a a corner, a bat first corner player, and who isn't hitting because there are right. there's twenty of them in the in the minor leagues who in Triple A twenty eight year olds who are mashing the ball and you can just take mm-hmm. a chance on on one of those guys. Uh, we have another question. Um, again, like this is this is a trade question around Don Smith, but like he wa- someone wants to know in the in the comments, which he wants to know, would you trade Don Smith for Denelson 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 Lamette? Uh, and that's like a, I guess maybe a good example of the type of trade they probably could pull off with with Smith and just like hope you catch lightning in a bottle with this guy, but he has a 9.72 ERA this year. Yeah, like I I I I don't think the the Mets as currently constructed have um have so much big league depth that they want to just be making moves like that at this juncture, but. You know, yes, yeah, that's the that's what you're. I don't know, like I don't. Why would the Padres do that? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Like, especially like Eric Hosmer has been good this year unexpectedly. And so, right, like, what? Why not? If you think there's really something left in the tank with with Lamette, why give him yeah. up when he is at at the zenith of, of his career? Yeah. I'm looking. It's, like, through, a, it's like, like a reverse challenge trade. Like, which one of these guys uh, stinks less than his numbers suggest? Right, right, and like, and Lamette has somehow been even worse than Smith this year. So right. it's, right. it's um, I don't know. Uh, we will see how that one plays out. It, obviously, it, how the Mets rotation is currently built uh, is not how the Mets rotation will be. A month from now, three months from now. So something's going to break there. Uh, we don't yet know what it will be. Hopefully it's not uh, Hopefully it's not Chris Bassett or Carlos Carrasco. <laughs> right. That would, that would <laughs> be a problem. Uh, um, Andy, thank you so much for, for, for joining today. Uh, if you have a question for the show, you can get at me on Twitter. I'm at OG Ted Berg. You can email asktedberg at gmail.com. Tim Britton will be back at some point, perhaps as soon as the end of next week. We look forward to that. We look forward to that, but, uh, but I look forward to hopefully talking to you more as well, Andy. Oh, well, hey, thank you for, uh, thanks for having me. This has been, uh, it's been fun filling in. Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining and, and peace out. All right. <laughs>